In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good evening. So I don't know how many of you got to watch the Super Bowl last week, but it was viewed over by over 100 million people, and I was actually happy to watch Matt Stafford finally win a Super Bowl ring after all these failing years with the Lions. The guy deserved it, right? But I was, I was thinking about that as I was reading the letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy, he says, compete well for the faith. Right, compete well, this competition. Like, why, is, why is Paul using that word competition? It kind of harkens you know, the thinking of with a competition you get a trophy. Right? With a competition there's a team that you're going up against. And it's not the first time that Paul has used this language. Right? He's, he said it in other writings. He said we're athletes. He said we're training for a marathon. So if we're in a competition... What's the trophy that we receive? Because, you know, in the Super Bowl, it's the greatest trophy known to sports, right? You win that championship that all these teams seek after. But for us, the trophy that we get isn't a physical trophy, but we get a crown of glory. That when we die, if we go to heaven, right, because heaven isn't guaranteed Especially, right, we heard Jesus. There's going to be the sons of the kingdom that are thrown into the outer darkness. Heaven's not guaranteed. So when we die, if we go to heaven, what do we receive? This beautiful crown of glory. Right? A crown that makes us look like God. That our souls become perfect. They become radiant. They become brilliant. They're so beautiful beyond any physical beauty that we could ever imagine. And we become like God. That we get to do the very things that God does. Think of the saints for a second. All the saints in heaven. What do they do? Well, they can visit people on earth. They can help people figure out directions of life. They can heal people. Right? Very amazing things have happened through the intercessions of the saints. Why? Because they get to be like God. Far beyond any physical crown or trophy that we could ever receive. It's this beautiful gift of becoming just like Him. So that's our crown. That's what we receive. But if we're in a competition, then what do we have to do? Well, we have to train for a competition. Think of these sports teams, right? They're exercising, they're practicing, they're eating healthy. They, they study their own strengths and weaknesses, but they also study their opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Think of a football team. They watch the other teams, how the other teams play, so that they know about the other team. They know their opponent just as well as they know themselves. So it's a very similar thing in our own lives. That we have to reflect upon ourselves. We have to come to know what our own strengths and weaknesses are. So that we can build off of them. We also have to know how our enemy, our opponent acts. And as Jesus makes it clear, scripture makes it clear, right? Our opponent is the devil, right? He's the enemy of human nature. And he seeks to take that crown of glory away from us. That he throws temptation at us so that we can lose that trophy. So we have to know ourselves, we have to know our opponent. Right? It's this intentional act of reflecting upon what's happening within us. 
In Paul's letter to Timothy, he says, For the love of money is the root of all evils. It's interesting, right? He said the love of money. He didn't say money is the root of all evils. It's the love of money. Paul wasn't condemning money. He wasn't condemning the use of money. Money is fine. Money is a tool. It gets us what we need. It gets us where we need to go. It gets us nice things. It gets us relaxations, whatever it is. It's a tool. But what Paul was condemning was this inordinate desire where we love money above God. That there were people who gave their lives for the pursuit of money. For the pursuit of having better things. And that pursuit caused them to lose focus upon God. So money became first in their lives, and God became second, third, fourth, fifth, wherever he happened to fall on that list. But God, my dear brothers and sisters, must always be first. God comes before everything and everyone. God comes before our spouses. He comes before our, our kids, our friends, any relationship, any job, any event, that God must always come first. So we reflect, right? What are the things or thing in our lives that come before God, right? And it doesn't have to be sinful things. Money's not sinful, but it can be if it comes before God. Relaxation isn't sinful, but it can be if it comes before God. Relationships with other people, food, all these different things are not sinful in and of themselves, but they can be if they, be, if they come before God. And they can come before God if we're using them as a way to numb these various pains in our lives. Let's just take the example. Let's just say someone is a lover of money. Oftentimes, it's not just, I seek money for the sake of seeking money. It's usually a greater reason. There's a deeper reason behind it. At the surface level, we may say, well, I seek to have a lot of money because I want to take care of my family. I want to enjoy life. I want to do whatever. Then when we dive deeper, we come to discover that there's something a little more there. That maybe this lover of money who's sacrificing his life, his family, his friends, whatever it is, all for the pursuit of money, has a wound. There's a lie there, right? And maybe that lie is, I don't feel I'm good enough. Maybe that lie is, there are other people who are better than me. Maybe that lie is, I have to be the best. Right? So that lover of money is just numbing this wound, this lie that he has or she has within their hearts with the pursuit of money. And we can do that with other things. Right? We can use food as a way to numb the pain. We can use alcohol, we can use drugs, we can use whatever it is that we can numb pain in many, many different ways and mask it with these different pursuits. So it's intentional reflection of what am I seeking and placing before God, but also why am I seeking this? And we have to go deeper than just this surface level, oh, I want this or I want that. That we go deep. We discover what is actually there. What do I believe about myself? And it's really important to discover that. Right, for a couple reasons. The first reason, as I mentioned, the devil is real. 
The devil knows us better than we know ourselves. Because the devil, he's seen everything in our lives up until that very moment. Right? Everything in our past, the devil knows. So he knows our wounds, he knows our lies, he knows what sins to tempt us with. And precisely what he knows is what temptations to put in our way that will numb the pain that we have. It's very, very good. It's very, very cunning. And so we'll throw a temptation in our path in order to get us to trip up. Because that temptation, he knows, we're more likely to say yes to it because it's numbing the pain of whatever is happening within our own souls. So knowing our enemy, right? Second thing, more importantly, is because Jesus wants to heal that. Right? Jesus does not want us wounded. He doesn't want us acting out of these lies or these beliefs that we have about ourselves. Think about the first reading, right? He talked about God sending the Messiah, this Redeemer, who's going to save the people from their sins. He's going to heal people. He's going to free the captives, the people who are in prison. That oftentimes these wounds, these lies that we have, cause us to be in prison in our own selves. And what does Christ do? The same thing that he desires to do in the gospel. He wants to heal us. Think of the leper. Think of the servant. Christ healed them. Beyond the physical healing, what Christ wants is the spiritual healing. It's the healing of our souls. Because he knows that those soul wounds that we have, those emotional wounds that we have, keep us from growing in relationship with him. So he seeks to enter in and to heal that so that we can be filled with his love more. So the more that we come to discover these wounds, these lies, these false beliefs, the more that we invite Christ into them, the more that he heals them, and the more that his love comes to conquer our lives. The more that we're guided by God, not by these wounds, not by these beliefs but by God himself and his love that he has for our lives. So this week, let's just take an intentional reflection about what thing or things do we place above God, but also, what are the wounds that we're acting out of, the lies that we have come to believe about ourselves? Let's invite Christ into those areas and ask for his healing so that he can heal us, so that we can be filled with his love, so that both in this life and in the next life, the love of God is constantly consuming our souls. Amen?